This is an exciting chapter. Week 30, A Servant's Heart. We're in this final week of the Church on Fire series, and Paul, last week, was on that ship sailing to Italy, getting to Rome, and so that he can appeal his case to Caesar so that he was not going to be convicted of a crime that he didn't commit. We've seen over the course of Acts, um, specifically with the Apostle Paul, that he's been pleading his case over and over and over again, standing in the purpose of what God has called him to do, and we've seen him do some incredible things in the name of Jesus. He's been ministering in temples, riots, prisons, and last week, uh, saving lives uh, in the name of God on a sinking ship. Paul and all the other prisoners and captains and prison guards, they all escaped safely to shore, and we pick up in Acts 28 of them walking onto this shore. Y'all remember where we're at? Okay, good. So in Acts chapter 28, starting out in verses 1, this is, this is, gonna be, this is a fun, fun chapter. Acts 28, verses 1 through 2. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, kind of like the weather, well, not cold, but definitely rainy this week. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Now, Malta was a very popular island. It was a major port for sailors. So I find it interesting that in verse 1, it says we were safe on the shore and we learned that we were on the island of Malta. It wasn't recognizable to them. This was a major port uh, island, yet they didn't recognize where they were. Um, remember, the storm was so bad that for days and days and weeks, they didn't even have the sun or the stars to navigate. It was dark. It was hard to figure out where they were at. So when they were shipwrecked and they, were, they had just eaten after not eating for two weeks, they were tired. They had lost hope. They finally listened to Paul. They all survived, and they get on the back of the island of Malta, and they don't really recognize the place they were at. They were on the other side, side of it, not on the port side, and it was cold, it was raining, they had just survived a terrible wreck, and I think it's significant that they ended up on Malta. Why? Well, in the early Greek, the name Malta actually meant honey. Can you guess why it meant honey, why they called this island Malta, meaning honey? Anyone want to guess real quick? It was a beekeeping island. It's not that hard, y'all. <laughs> they were known for beekeeping. But in the Phoenician language, it had a little bit of a different meaning. It actually meant refuge. So this, the place they wrecked on was a place of refuge that they didn't even recognize. And I think so many times we end up in a place called refuge that doesn't look like refuge until you're on it for a minute. Until you're in it for a minute. In it for a minute. Minute to win it. Yep. No. We end up on this, in this place called refuge, but the circumstances that led you there didn't feel like you were getting to a safe place. It didn't look like refuge. It didn't look like that was the destination you were heading toward. And we hear things, well, Kyle, you haven't seen my journey. You don't know the circumstances that brought me here. Well, thank God that he was with you on the journey because what looked like a wreck 
ended up being a place of refuge where you met, where you were met with a kindness that brought warmth to you in this place of look where we're at. This is some of the most trying times in, in, in our nation. For some, it's the most trying time. Can we bring the house lights up, Josh? Because people are yawning and falling asleep already. Brighten it up. So I mean, I'm not even 10 minutes in. Come on, man. Don't be scared. There you go. There you go. Think about where we're at. We are in a house of God together where people are wanting to, 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 to know each other and, and grow together. This is a, this is a warm family. This is, this is a place where, where we, we can be real and grow and pursue God without agenda, without a, a pastor trying to tell you you're going to hell for every sin you're doing. We're, 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 we're a different kind of place. And I believe that's what people are searching for. There's all these shipwrecks. There's all these th things that have gone on that no one's planned for. They had all, all their strategies in line. They had their income. They had their, their means. They had their retirement plan. And all of a sudden, a disease comes and they lost their job. They've had the social distance and now they don't know how to talk to people. Now, a, a hug is weird. We don't know how to have a common greeting anymore. Everyone's having to relearn everything. And the church is in the most best strategic place to be this place of refuge. And we don't even, we're not, we're not even trying to, to own that. Most of, the, most of the churches, oh God, would you save us? And this is horrible. And God's like, I've set you up beautifully. I was listening uh, to someone talk about a very known prophet who every they 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 they've, they've um they've lived through some major diseases in our nation and every time there, there's been a, a major plague they've been called to pray for it and the next day or the next two days there would be a very big decline in, in, in cases and when this one came when the, the the prophet said God what would you have me pray for God said not this one I'm using it. I love that. Now, now some of us are thinking, well, that, that's horrible because people are dying. Well, guess what? People died before COVID existed. More people are still dying from the flu than COVID, depending on what news channel you watch. That's a whole other story. But we end up in these places of refuge that seem like don't look like refuge, and we don't know how to respond. The people didn't shove these prisoners off the island. What they do, it says they built a fire. What is the series called? A church on fire. They built a fire on the shore to welcome them. We need to be that people. A welcoming body to provide warmth and the fire of God that people so desperately seek out and they don't even know sometimes they're seeking it. They land in a place of refuge. They land in the footsteps that is called you. And because we're not seeking God, when they come to the refuge that is you, they don't get warmth because you have not adequately prepared to be the fire they so desperately need. And you may not look like refuge, but they came to refuge and you haven't prepared, so they miss out on the refuge that God ordained. 
You don't know how to respond to them, so you respond with hate. You respond with turning your back. You respond with, I don't have time for you. When you should be building the fire. Not when they get there necessarily, but building the fire of, I am pursuing God to such a degree that when people get around me, they feel something different. For some reason, there's a joy that exudes into them. There's a peace that rubs off. There's something that overflow. My cup runneth over. Ephesians 2, 8 through, 2, 8 through 10 for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship. Some versions say we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Your salvation is a place of refuge, not because of anything you did, but it, but, it is, but it is for you to do something with. You are his workmanship. His masterpiece made in the image of God to do great things. That doesn't mean you do things to earn refuge. He says, I've offered you refuge. Now your response is do great things. And if I may be so bold... We have done too poor of a job with being too graceful with bad theologies. And I'm just going to talk about one that's been on my heart this week. The Roman Catholic Church. Oh, everyone got quiet. Because everyone's talking about it's just a difference of practice. But that's part of the issue. It is a religion that teaches if you do these things, you will be made right with God. Penance. Talk to Jesus and a priest. Jesus is not good enough to make you worthy of the Father, so pray to Mary. There's an issue with that theology. You don't do things to be made right with God. You're made right with God, so now your response is do good things. You can never earn right standing with the Father. So any religion or any belief or any theology that teaches you earn the right is purely demonic. No matter how you want to, no matter how you want to paint it or picture it or clothe it, it's not of God. And I am going to be that bold because it's that true. And if we're going to be a church on fire, I don't want to just be a little match. <laughs> this says, not of works, but you're created for them. These sailors and these, and, and these prisoners, remember the shipwreck? They were doing everything they knew how to do. Throwing anchors off, throwing lifeboats off, try, doing, 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 doing. And the boat kept sinking. Have you ever met someone that tried to earn their salvation? It ain't working. 
when you understand that only he is that good to make you good, the only response is, Father, what would you have me do? Not so I could earn you, but because my life is now consumed with a response. My works is a fruit, not a seed. My works are a fruit of God, here I am, because you've made me this well. Nothing you do saves you. But what you do should be received because you are responding to a free gift of refuge, of peace, of a redeemed identity that you can never get back. So they're on this place of refuge they never expect to get to. The people receive them by building a fire because the conditions are cold and rainy. And people are got all kind of conditions today. And they're all seeking something. I love to go uh, to, to, to uh, when, when I go, if I ever go, I love to go to places like St. Simon's and St. Augustine. I love, I love those places. But you know something I notice about tourist places like that? Every corner there's palm reading, horoscopes, psychics. And you know what we all do? We'll go check it out for fun. Maybe not us, but people in general. Or you'll know your, you know, Libra and Pisces better than you know your scripture. And you say there's nothing wrong with it. But you're being led by a horoscope and not letting God say, I'm bigger than a horoscope that's man-made. You make life decisions off, I was born in February, so I must be. And God's like, no, you're not. Where do you put your faith? Because that stuff ain't warm. It lets people down all the time. And sometimes it's right because the enemy knows how to get you. I don't even know why I'm in this right now. Maybe some of y'all need to hear it, you bunch of horoscoping people. But... <laughs> but why is that there? Because people are seeking fire. They're seeking warmth. So they want to, oh, it's going to be a good month. When that should have came from your lips Friday before they left work. But there is no church on fire, so everyone's still seeking out fake fire. This, this is hard. So, so they're in this place of refuge, and the people are welcoming them with fire. Verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit them on the hand. The dude can't catch a break. Riots, stonings, death traps, shipwrecks, and now snake bites. That'd be a good book title, Shipwrecks and Snake Bites. I mean, the dude can't catch a break. But I want to, first, I want to point out something. I want to read that again. Paul gathered, an arm, Paul gathered an arm full of sticks. The great apostle? 
Picking up sticks? Working? You mean to tell me he didn't have an entourage of people carrying his sticks for him? Get out of here. The Apostle Paul, whose ability to hear God and tell the unbelievers what to do that saved all 276 crew members, among all of them, he could have easily said, I've served y'all enough, y'all pick up some sticks. That man who was in prison in chains for a crime he didn't commit, confessing over and over, I didn't do a thing, serving prison captains, serving prison guards, serving the people that hated him, he's picking up sticks to keep them warm and they die him the entire shipwreck you are never too great to stop serving Galatians 5.13 you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature instead use your freedom to serve one another in love your sinful nature includes I'm too good to serve because I've worked a long week. I'm too good to serve because I've had a long day. I need me time. Do you realize that Jesus was so selfless that he got up earlier to have his me time? Went to sleep later, sacrificed rest to have his me time, and he got replenished in that rest because in my father I find Well, you don't know my schedule. I don't really give a crap what your schedule is. <laughs> and, and this is not a message saying serve more at Relentless. I'm talking about in your day-to-day. -day. I'm talking about in your life's mission. Your life's mission should be I am free and I want to serve the people I'm around. Uh, we, were, we were at Recovery Day and Michael was talking about how he lost um, like one of his wallets because apparently men have three wallets. And, 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 and you know, if I lost my wallet, I'd be mad. I, 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 I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I lost my wallet. I gotta, now i got to go get my license replaced, and i got to go get this replaced. And you know what Michael said this morning? He said, I praise God because I was saying, now I get, what if there's an opportunity at the license plates? What if there's an opportunity talking to the bank teller for a new card? And I was like, man, I wish I could be like Michael. I want to be like Mike. <laughs> but where is that mentality in the church? My loss is my ability to serve. We're gifted refuge and salvation for us to do good works, to represent him in all things and on every island we end up on. And serving is really difficult, especially when you're serving people that don't appreciate it. Amen. But it isn't serve to get recognized. And it's not serve to get a thank you. It's I'm serving to deposit the love of God wherever I can. Not for a response, not to see the return on my investment, but I'm created to serve. Just like Paul. I mean, let's be honest, that dude 
served enough or they should have been like, hey, man, you take a seat. And these ungrateful prisoners, they didn't even say, hey, Paul, rest. They, they were like, yeah, that's right, you pick up those sticks. You know, they, didn't, they didn't tell him to chill. They still looked at him the same even though he's the only one listening to the voice of God that caused them to be saved. And watch what the people do. Paul's serving, putting these sticks to keep the fire going. And look at verse 4. He gets bit by that snake, and the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand. No one grabbed it. It says, they saw it hanging from his hand, said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice won't permit him to live. He got what he had coming to him. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people of Malta were trying to help him, even though he was serving. I'm sorry, the people of Malta who were trying to help him by building the fire, even though he was serving and was helping, they saw him as a prisoner. And remember, if they were saw him as a prisoner, they automatically thought that they, if they're going to Rome, they must have a death sentence. So they're thinking, oh, well, if that snake randomly jumped out of the fire that we were building to keep this, these people warm, then he must have got what he deserved. But they, I want to read it again. In verse 4 it says, though he escaped the seed, justice, someone say justice. Justice will not permit him to live. It's funny because if you do a word study, that word justice right now is actually the word dike. Dike is a Greek goddess of, guess what, justice. Can you put that verse up there, please, again, verse 4? Though he escaped the sea, Dike will not permit him to live. The native says, the goddess we worship won't permit him to live. And all Paul does is shake it off. He doesn't complain. He, he doesn't get mad at God and say, I'm serving you. Why would you let this happen? And you know you've been there. You've been serving him and something happens where you get mad about it. He simply carries on. He shakes off the attack. And he stands in the truth of the justice of God, not the justice of a goddess of them. He says, I'm standing in the justice of my Father and the justice of the promises of my God. And I was reading that and doing that word study. I wonder how many of us give worship to Daiki more than the Father when we say things like, they got justice. Because we believe a Bible that says, eye for an eye, but when you see certain things that go on in this country, you see they got what they deserve. What if you just gave worship to a Greek goddess? And you don't even know about it because we're so blind to truth. Think about what we say. Justice will prevail. Well, you better be careful when you say that of what justice you're talking about because his justice may not look like Dyke's justice. Because in their eyes, eye for an eye. He was a murderer, snake bite, justice. He got what he deserved. And we say it all the time ourselves. Well, I guess I got what I deserved. Who are you giving glory to? 
We have far too long not understood what we're saying because our culture has been intermingled with the culture of other things other than our one true God. And we have got to open our eyes. And I'm just going to say it for what it is. There is so much being exposed in our country right now. How dare you say what's justice? Well, you must be talking to me because you must have read my... Fa- Listen, I, I, I am not exposing one thing. I am talking about the general scape of our country. All this stuff's being revealed. Pedophilia and, and, and rape and, and all, all this great pizza gate and nacho gate and uh, all, you know what, whatever gate there is. and all, That was a joke. But there's, there's all this stuff coming up. But Disney... Y'all, have, y- have y'all read any of this stuff? There's all this evil being exposed, which most of it's true. Let's get real. There's all this stuff being exposed, and the first thing we say is, they got what they deserved. They need to die for what they did. They, should there be consequence? Absolutely. I preached it last week. If you didn't hear it, go listen. But think about if you took that principle of the justice of Dike to the Apostle Paul when he was killing Christians. Thank God he didn't get what he deserved. Because if he got what he deserved, we would never see what God did through this man. Because God's plan is always one thing. I want to redeem what was lost. People who are walking in evil, he still wants them redeemed. So do we redeem them by hoping they get justice with a serpent coming out of a fire? Or do we serve them with love? Do we serve them with forgiveness saying, you've got to pay for your consequences, but our prayer is still redemption, not the glory of a dikey God. We want the justice of the Father. And maybe God wants to take him home or take him somewhere else. I don't know what he wants. But don't put it in your hands anymore. We're called to do what? Serve everyone. Even the people that you hate. Paul didn't panic. Because he remembered not, I guess I got what I deserved. He remembered the promise of God. I'm going to Rome. And a snake can't stop God. He said a serpent surely can't stop God's promises. Yet we let the serpent, Satan, stop God's plans all the time. Because we give more faith to a suggestion of the enemy than the promise of the Father. We get a suggestion, this is what you deserve, and we put all our stock in that. And we get depressed. We get anxious. We get stressed. We doubt our call. We doubt anything's ever going to work out. We doubt every decision we ever made. Off of a stupid suggestion from a snake bite called a suggestion of the devil. You know what Paul did? Shook it off. He said, I'm not being moved by that kind of justice. I'm being moved by him. 
And if he's told me he's got plans for me, I'm going with that. Acts 28.6, the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was God or he was a God. Just like people, extremes. Paul was either evil, destined to die, or he was a God. And I love that Paul knew he, he didn't even take credit. He didn't say, yeah, look at me. Snake can't even stop me. He knew, he said, he, Paul knew it wasn't him that was unstoppable. It was God's plan that was unstoppable. And he happened to be a part of it. That's why we're told in Proverbs 27.1, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't boast. Because God's going to accomplish his plans with or without you. So I assured you, his promises will come through with or without you. But will you get in step and in line with those promises? Let's go back to verse 3. Look at this. As Paul, it's the next one. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. He got bit by a serpent being driven out by the heat of fire. Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is a devouring fire. Luke 3, 16, John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming soon who's greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If we develop a culture in this house where all of us are simply pursuing God, his, his fire will devour us and will be consumed by it. And let me assure you, when we're consumed by the fire of God, the heat of that fire will drive out serpents. And the first thing they're going to try to do is come back and do what? Bite you. So don't be surprised if we get deeper in him that we're going to get bit a couple times. But when we get bit, we don't say it's a sign from God that we need to stop. When we get bit, it's, oh, oh, maybe the leadership made a bad decision. When we get bit, it's not, it, let's vote on whether or not we should move. No, when we get bit, what do we do? Because we're focused on who? Not the snake bite. Him. And you notice what he did when he got bit by the snake? He didn't just shake it off. He shook it back off into the fire. How, you, how, <laughs> how do you destroy an attack of a serpent? You throw it in the fire of love. You throw it in the fire of humility. You throw it in the fi fire of service. You throw it in the fire of faith. You, you throw it back into the thing that is trying to escape. Because why? The plan is still to redeem the thing. Because let's be honest, where is the snake bite going to come from? Through a person. There, something's going to disagree and it's going to drive them out and we're going to say, no, 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 you get right back in there. 
So I'm going to turn my other cheek. You know what that is? Driving them into the fire. I'm going to serve you. You know what that is? Driving them into the fire. I'm going to be humble and not snap back. You know what that is? Driving them into the fire. That's why the scripture says it's like putting burning hot coals of fire on their head. You shake it right back into the fire. Mm. <laughs> not only did, this is good stuff not only did this attack not move Paul but their worship of this dyke didn't move him on their, on, on their judgmental spirit of him either the only thing that moved him was his purposes and his identity in God watch what happens in verse 7 near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't say, forget y'all. He didn't do any of it. Throwing that thing back into the fire and still putting sticks in the fire was all they needed to see. Oh, he wasn't even moved by anything we did. Publius was the person that represented Rome in Malta. Now, where was Paul going? Rome. To do what? Preach to the people of Rome, to Caesar. And the, the, the official Roman government of Malta said, hey, come stay in my place, the best headquarters, for three days. And it says he welcomed Paul and treated them kindly for three days. So Paul... Serving people that didn't like him, that thought he was crazy, that thought he was a criminal. He served them in the middle of shipwrecks and snake bite and injustice. He gets invited to the Roman official's home for three days of rest and replenishing. And Paul, let me remind you, he's still a prisoner. He's not in the prisoner headquarters. He's in the mansion. He's in the estate. You know what Proverbs 22, 4 says? True humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. Do you realize what this Paul, Paul just got? He got ridiculous honor for humility and going to a place where he didn't deserve to be. Riches in this case was favor. He was honored by the very official of the government that was supposed to try him. You can't make this stuff up. Verse 8, as it happened, <laughs> Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. And then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Paul didn't let an offense harbor any feelings about, well, three days ago, y'all said I deserve to die because of y'all guys dying. Now y'all coming here wanting to get sick, healed of y'all sickness. Yeah, y'all need God. He didn't do any of that. Well, I've been in jail for the past 10 years. How about you grant me a pardon before I pray for your daddy? He didn't do any of that. He didn't, well, how about an apology? How about some sort of thank you letter from all you 276 people who I did? He, he didn't do any of that. He saw, what are we talking about, Michael? 
he saw an opportunity to serve. He had a servant's heart. He listened to God. Because all that moved Paul was his purpose to glorify God. This prisoner, surviving everything, proving himself over and over, blesses a Roman official's father and heals him. And then it says, all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. All of them. Now I want to point out something. Because there's something powerful in these, in these verses. I love word studies because you find so much. We would assume, because it says Paul laid his hands on the Father and healed him. We would assume that that means when all the other sick people came, that they must have just done the same thing. You know, big altar call, right? Like, oh, heal, 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 heal. But if you lurk, if you have lurk, if you look, the word healed in verse 8 is different than verse 9. The word in verse 8, when Paul laid his hands, it was a supernatural healing. The word for verse 9 meant to receive medical attention. Who was with Paul? Luke. A doctor. The miracle drew the people in, and God used a miraculous sign and wonder and the knowledge to bring healing to all. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is we put an expectation that God wants to do all things the same way through miracles. But what if the miracle is the draw? And some, what if God wanted to do one miracle at Relentless Church and no more after that? What if? Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just, what if? What if God said, my justice is one miracle that caused me to get everyone's attention and the rest of the miracles came through conversations, hugs, counseling, relationship, knowledge, impartation, true relationship. What if the love of the house is the healing agent needed and a person's healing came through genuine acceptance instead of just a touch at the altar? See, it's not one without the other. It's both. And we see it right here in Acts that every Pentecostal says it's all about miracles, signs, and wonders, and you don't need any medical attention. That's crap, and it's stupid. Okay, good. Glad it's right. <laughs> Look at verse 10. As a result... We were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything we would need for a trip. My God supplies my every need. How did God supply their every need? By Paul not complaining about, I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done, they said, they said. No, no, he said, okay, I'll heal you because God told me to. And now all these people come and they want something. They, they, just, they just want something. Okay. We'll minister to that. They just come to get something. Okay. Because you're called to be a servant to all those just coming to get something. Opportunity. They just leeches. That's fine. Let them leech. Opportunity. Because God wants to redeem it. 
Who cares what motive they come with? We have a power and an authority that they don't. So let's redeem it. Because what they're, they're searching out fire. So let's give them fire. Let's be a church on fire. Some making fun of me. I pray the serpents come. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were still destined to get to Rome, <laughs> but in a pit stop, in a place of refuge, they were never supposed to be in. Remember, they were never supposed to be in Malta. Oh, this will mess up theologies about predestination. They weren't ever supposed to be in Malta. Well, how do you know that? Because God tried to tell them not to sail. But God says, I'll use this. And if you'll serve in a place you were never meant to be because you didn't listen to me in the first place, I'll still give you favor of honor and riches and long life. He gave them all life. He gave Paul honor. He gave riches of favor. And they still got everything they needed to sail away from the place they were never meant to be into the destination they should have been in about six months ago. And someone needs to hear, you could be in a place that you were never meant to be because you didn't listen to God the first time. But he says, if you will take on a servant's heart and take every opportunity to bring the warmth and fire of God into every person that you can possibly, in every situation that you come into, I will take the place you were never meant to be, the junk that you never were meant to see. I will take it all and I will use it to supply everything to get you back on the path. And you know what? Everyone's searching for it. Everyone in America, they're miserable. They're lost. They don't know how. They need family. Because the family model in America has failed them. No one knows what fathers look like anymore. So let's show them. Who cares why they come? Luke 6.38, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. They gave everything. Gathering sticks, healing disease, healing sickness, giving a word for all to survive a shipwreck. And you know what they got? A new ship and all the stuff they needed to get to Rome. Verse 11. This is good stuff. It was three months after the shipwreck. So they used some smarts this time. They said, okay, let's, let's wait till the winter's over that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island and out, another Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. God will use whatever he's got to use. Don't mean you worship it. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. 
From there, we sailed across to Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, we sailed up to the coast of Putalio. Verse 14. There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. They waited three months for winter to end. They sailed to Syracuse, Regium. They finally caught the right wind, and they sailed to Putalio. And they spent time with believers, and they finally got to Rome. Finally! After years after years, Paul finally sees Rome. And even though he is still a prisoner awaiting trial, I want you to get that before I read the next verse because it's significant. He is still a prisoner. He is still going to be tried. Look what happens in verse 15 when he finally gets to his destination. 15, the brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged, and he thanked God. He was a prisoner. He wasn't thanking God after he got released. He wasn't thanking God after the trial. He just, I thank God that I'm here, and my brothers and sisters are here with me. See, what's cool about this is the way he was greeted by the believers in Rome. They had received Paul's letters to the Romans a few years before. So they probably felt like they knew Paul because they read all of his writings while he was in prison. So they wanted to honor him. So it says the brothers and sisters, the believers, they met Paul at two places. At the Forum on the Appian Way and at the Three Taverns. What's significant about this is that was the custom of how the Romans welcomed emperors coming into the city. They would go out to the edge of the, of the, of the city at the two places, the Three Taverns and, the, and the, the, the Forum at the Appian Way, and they would take the emperors and honor them as they approach the city. Much like when Jesus came in on the donkey, they met him on his way in. Yes, that's a pair so good. They brought him in. He was a prisoner honored as a king. Now I want to read two things we've already read tonight. Remember Proverbs 22, 4? True humility Fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, long life. True humility leads to those things. Luke 6.38, I'm going to read it again. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together to make room for more, running over, poured in your lap. The amount you give determines the amount you get back. Look at the honor and the gift of blessing pouring into Paul's life as a prisoner. By human means. Verse 16, when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging. He was a prisoner. He got greeted as an emperor, brought into the city, then got his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Paul got honor, and he got favor and you think you have to get out of your situation to receive the promises of God? 
he was receiving promises still in captivity. Let me say it like this. You think COVID has to pass for us to get promises? For those of you that weren't here last week, we, we got a tremendous financial offering that set us not only debt-free, I didn't really say this last week, but not only debt-free, but our finances are covered for well over the next year. If not, one more dime comes into this house. Do y'all hear what I just said? In a time where people are begging the government to give them a check. I'm not speaking against that necessarily. I'm just telling y'all. Let me say that again. Because this is what people are praying. Lord, let this disease pass so that I can get blessed financially. There are churches around us who are still praying about opening up their kids' ministries. And we are getting blessed with families, financial breakthrough, all kind of stupid stuff right in the middle of a pandemic. You don't have to get delivered from the circumstances to get the promises. Because God is not bound to a circumstance. That's why, even though we're not pure, he says, you're pure. You're righteous. You're perfect. Well, you just don't know me. I don't care. You're not bound by this prison called flesh anymore. Well, I have this problem. So did Paul. He had a thorn on his side, in his side. He had an issue that he continually dealt with. But he still had the promises of God because I'm not going to let my issue cause me to not say I'm not good enough to serve. He served. He gave. He worked. He did whatever God wanted him to do because he was not going to let anything define him except God's call on his life. That's a church on fire. I'm not going to let the fact that Malta was never our destination let us move from the place that this was our refuge and this fire is going to be our sustenance, our sustenance even though we were never supposed to see this fire and never supposed to see this island. He, he, he just said, okay, God, what would you have me do in this season even though we heard we didn't listen to your voice. We got to the wrong place at the wrong time on a, on a wrong carrier. And now we have people who think that I deserve death because they worship a God that's not you. Look at all that. Favor. Favor. Promises. Favor. Why are we praying God get me out? Because I, I think he said it's finished. Why don't you start walking as if you're not bound? Instead of waiting to not be bound to start walking. He was a prisoner getting private lodging, visitors, food outside the prison, staying at Roman officials' houses. How, how, 
how good he is? And all he says is, would you serve people? Would you, would you be a servant of all? Would you love me enough to do what I ask? Because no matter what you do, you're never going to measure up. So let me take care of the measuring up. And all I ask from you is your response. That's all I want. And the response is a life unto perfection. Even though we won't grasp it, he says, live it. Run after me. Seek me. Drop off everything that's not like me, even though you love it. Even though you depend on it. Well, Kyle, you just, I can't let go of this thing because this gives me peace. Then that is the stronghold that Satan has put on your life. No matter what, even if it's legal. Even if it's okay. Even if it's not a sin. A stronghold doesn't have to be sinful. A stronghold is you trusting in something other than him. Do you go to him or do you go to your thing? And usually, if you really look into it, the root of the thing that's not a sin is probably sinful. <laughs> Prideful, a lust of something, a lust of the flesh. Is your response your prayer closet? Or is it, I've got I to eat. I, I, I've got to use. I've got to see a thing. i got to go through my phone book and call people I shouldn't be calling. i got to go through Facebook and find the, 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 the most offensive thing so I can comment on it. So I can feel justified about my crappy life and I can seem holy. <laughs> Verse 17. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leader, a prisoner calling together a meeting. And he's calling together the people that have been putting him through hell for the past 10 years or 30. He said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. Remember, he was what? He was Jewish. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. The first people he calls together is the Jews. Have you noticed through a pattern throughout Acts that every time he's been called to be an evangelist to a place, when he comes, he, the first thing he does is he talks to the Jews? He goes to the Jews first in every city that he's called to minister the gospel to. Because he says, I've called you to the Jews, the Gentiles, and then kings. He honors it. 
it really makes me beg the question, are we getting something out of order? I'll just leave that for your prayer life. Everyone that he honored that order, even though the order caused him to get locked up every time. Because he was a servant to God, nothing else, no matter what. He says, the reason I'm in these chains is not because of a crime. It's because I believe in the Messiah that you still pray for. Philippians 1.13. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Paul wrote that. Every audience he had knew, I'm here because I don't deserve anyone but Christ. I, there's, there's the only reason I'm in these chains is not because of what I deserve. Or it's, it's not because of, of something I've done. It's because I'm here because of Christ. I wonder what does your audience know you for? Because everyone who he came before, they knew he's here because of Jesus. He's here because of the God that we doubt, the God that we don't know. He's here because of him. What are you popular for? Do they know what you do is because of Christ? Or do they know it's because of your flesh, because of your temper? Are you, why are you in chains? Are you in chains because of your flesh or are you in chains because of Christ? What do you attribute your stuff to? Did your temper get you to that place or did God lead you to that place? Because we get in bonds a lot where our stuff leads us into bad situations. It's not the bad situation that's the issue. It's what led you into it. God led Paul into this bad situation. But it was because of Christ. Everything he did was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I honor him. I honor him. And he ended up in a prison for years. And I wonder, like, if people got to know us and they found out where you were at, could you really say it's because Jesus led me here? Or was it because of your mouth? Was it because of your personality? Was it because of your inability to wait? Was it because you don't know how to pray? Was it because you say, I'm not called to pray, even though that's pretty much blasphemy? Well, was it, <laughs> that's not blasphemy, don't worry about it. It's just everyone's called to pray, and if you don't like to pray, then you probably don't have a relationship with God. Um, but, oh, did he just say that? Yes, I did, because you need to be pushed. If you leave, it's because Jesus led me to say that. I'm being dead serious. Well, I, I have a relationship with God, but I don't pray. Impossible. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Water for those on the podcast. <laughs> What does your audience know you for? <laughs> it's, 
It's just so, is this okay that I went there? Okay. Okay. Verse 21. They replied, we've got no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone that's come here. You mean all those priests in Jerusalem that had murder plots didn't send one letter to Rome saying that he was coming? Want to know why? They didn't have any evidence. They didn't have anything to write. They would have looked stupid. And they said, then they say, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it's denounced everywhere. What's happening in America? Everything, Christianity is being denounced. And you know what's sad about Christians? We think that the voice of God hinges on Trump or Biden. Let me say what I mean by that. I'm not telling you to go vote for Biden. The pastor shouldn't take a political, I'm going to take a political stance because this is the ecclesia and I'm going to tell you where you should be. Ooh. Lock me up. <laughs> but let's say Biden gets elected who is completely against Christianity. Do you think God's promises are limited to him being your president? Do, 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 let, hear me out. Do you really think if the government of our nation turns away from God, that God is going to be hindered? What's going to hinder it is the church. Because I believe crazy, stupid stuff. I believe stuff like if a corrupt person gets in leadership, if enough people actually started praying, a heart could shift. A heart could be redeemed. I really believe stupid, crazy stuff like that. What if God always wanted a said person in lead? I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not telling you what. I'm just. Let me. This is. This is totally just scenario. What if God wanted someone in leadership that we? Mm, he don't fit the bill but he took a wrong turn and got to a place that he was never supposed to be. And we're supposed to be the ones creating the fire. But we don't, we don't think like that. Now, I'm not saying that's what's supposed to happen at all. What I'm trying to point out is just simply one thing. We think that that's going to hinder God? We, 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 really, we really think that the American government is bigger than his? He, he's, he's good. No matter what happens in November, God's promises will never fail. He will not forsake us. No matter what. Do I believe we are supposed to go vote for Trump? I can't tell you that. I know what I'm voting for. Because I'm looking at what's what. 
And I'm not telling you who, you who to vote for, but I know who I'm voting for. Trump. I can't believe the pastor in the pulpit just said that. Well, someone's got to. I ain't scared. Y'all looking at me like I'm saying too much. I'm not trying to say vote for who you want to because God can do whatever. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is God's big enough to, to not be hindered by the wrong vote. He's too good. Why are we scared? Why are we scared of a disease? Why are we scared of a government choice? Why are, what's wrong with the church? When are we going to get to a place when the officials are going to say, we want to hear what you believe? Because all we know is that what you believe is being denounced by everybody. That's exactly what they said to Paul. Because right now what they're saying is, we don't want to hear you. Verse 23, so a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God, tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the book of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. I better stop complaining about my one hour and ten minute messages. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. They didn't know anything about Paul, so they wanted to listen. They wanted to hear what he's got to say, probably because of the honor the man's received. I mean, think about it. He was a prisoner with his own private lodging. That's going to cause some priests to go, what you about? We heard like a snake bit you and you didn't even swell up. We heard that you survived the shipwreck and assassination attempts and you were stoned, but like some people say you survived it. Some people say you got resurrected. I mean, like you've gone through a lot. What you got to say? Weren't you that guy who killed a bunch of Christians and now you worship the God that you were killing people for? What you got to say? So Paul shared the kingdom of God. Some rejected it. Some believed it. Of course some believed it. God wanted him here the entire time. God, I want you in Rome. And of course some rejected it because they were too caught up in their own religion. Look what verses 25 through 29 say about that. I'm getting close. After they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. Why were they arguing? They weren't arguing with Paul. The Jewish priests were arguing because some just denounced what they were praying for. Some were like, we're still praying for Messiah. Some were like, no, 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 he's, he came. We missed it. So they're arguing, and then Paul gives this final word. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet. They all knew about this prophecy. Verse 26, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you won't comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, their ears cannot hear, they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me, and they can't let me heal them. Not I won't. They can't come and let me. 
So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they'll accept it. Verse 29. When he had said these words, the Jews departed, and they had a great dispute among themselves. Look at this. <coughs> they started to argue among themselves, and Paul pointed out a prophecy which remains true today. Many hear, many reject. Their hearts were so hardened that they couldn't see and they couldn't hear. So Paul says, I've shown you, I've told you, and now I'm going to go offer it to everyone else. Don't limit your audience to only who will receive you. Because a lot of times what believers will love to do is we'll love to minister to the people who are, well, they, they're open to receive. You're not called to minister to just the people who are open to receive. Let me, let me read you Mark 9, 35. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him, and said, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Everyone. Everyone. If I recall, Judas was one of these everyones. And he knew what Judas was going to do. Say that loud. Gave him permission. But we want to, we'll serve the people who are willing to listen. No. We'll serve the people who can't listen. Who can't hear. Who can't see. Because their hearts are too hardened. There will be people who are going to reject everything we say. We don't turn our back on them. We share. Because we're going to be a servant to all. Everyone. The fire is not just for the good people. Everyone needs fire. In verse 30 and 31, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. You know what that means? He was still working as a tent maker. He paid his own way. He didn't say... I've served all y'all. He, he worked. He was a prisoner having to pay rent. <sighs> he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. For the past over 10 to 15 years, every time he preached the kingdom, he ended up in prison. Now he's in the destination God wanted him to be in as a prisoner, allowed to preach to whoever he wanted to, wherever he wanted to, and whenever he wanted to, in custody, in chains, as a prisoner, getting tried for what he was being allowed to do. And we still pray, like, God, deliver us. Deliver America. And God's like, what more do you want me to do? What's your response to me? Because I've delivered you, but you're not walking out anything. You're in chains, but you're not serving anyone. You're serving yourselves. And because you're serving yourselves and trying to appease your own appetite, you're still asking me for more. 
And I've given you everything. I've given you permission for everything. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. I've unlocked everything. I have taken care of the debt of sin. I have redeemed you from the pits of hell. What more do you need? Paul paid his own way. He received all who visited him, slaves, masters, Jews, Gentiles. He served everyone as a prisoner. His change in his custody did not matter. He was completely unhindered by his chains. We must learn how to fully rely on God and become like Paul. More so become like Jesus. The heart of a humble servant. Nothing hindering us from the purpose of being a church on fire. Nothing, no chain, nothing hindering us from being a servant of all. From allowing God to do whatever he wants to do through us. I close the series out with Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's take on that image. Let's be a church on fire.